and welcome back to Vox Podcast, the weekly pseudo-academic roundtable of pop culture analysis with drinking and swearing. My name is Christopher Maverick, but you can call me Mav, and I am once again here with my co-host, Katya and Hannah. How's it going, guys? Better than it was last week. Better? <laughs> it's a world. It's a I, I feel world. like every time, every time I, mean, I see like, things, I'm like, oh, like, that. yeah, well, I, I'm just always hesitant Trump to say that things are going there. better, though. <laughs> I'm hesitant to say things are better because it feels like jinxing everything because yeah, what's, what's yeah. the thing going around of like 2021 is 2020 with bangs? Yeah. Which as a person with bangs, I resent that. My favorite was just that it's like, you know, month 13. Oh, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Which feels more appropriate. Yeah. But, but we were gifted with the Bernie meme. Yes. It is a great Bernie meme. Also, I will say the knitters of the universe responded quickly. And like, I think within like probably less than 24 hours, there was several patterns available for making your own Bernie mittens. So I was kind of annoyed with them, but then they started getting clever. And but my favorite one is not from the classic Bernie meme pose. Um, Ah. uh, So um, my favorite from the classic Bernie meme pose is him, um, him in a um, MMA match. We're doing an armbar, but my favorite um, without the classic Bernie meme pose is there's a shot of him earlier walking down the stairs trying to find his lone chair. And he's got like the mittens on. He's got a manila envelope in one hand in one page. It's got his mask on and everything. And it just says and his you know brown coat and jeans. And it says Bernie is dressed like the inauguration was on his to-do list for today, but it's not the only thing on his to-do list for today. <laughs> yeah. Like, there was another one that's like, it looks like it looks like Bernie's going to go mail a package and this is a minor inconvenience. Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> someone edited like, that photo and they put the knives out to script on the envelope and Ryan Johnson was like, yeah, I've been waiting for notes for that. Yeah. I mean, I just, I, I've seen, I've seen it. It's just like, I can, I just imagine him going, okay, I've got the inauguration. But I've also got to mail this letter. I got a bill to write. I got a a podiatrist appointment and I got to go grocery shopping on the way home. And I'm only making one trip. So it's also probably at some level true. Bernie's got stuff to do. You know, the world's on fire. Right. Uh, Yep. I mean, I mean, some some people like I I assume at least some of us like watch the inauguration on our lunch break or had on in the background while we did other things. I had it on all day. Yes. Which kind of kind of segues into our into our topic, Um. which um, yes. Uh, Well, so I now like I suggested this topic, which is pandemic TV. So uh, we've been talking about like how our viewing has changed since the pandemic, but we haven't talked a whole lot about how the pandemic has affected the like films and TV shows being made right now and their airing schedule and even just like what the storylines look like. And I thought that we should do it. And then as we, after we posted the blog and booked our guest, um, hi, Mary, welcome back to the show. Hey, Mary. Uh, my, my sister is back uh, because she watches more TV than I do. Um, probably has better things to say about. Uh, then I realized, you know, it's, I wonder how good this is going to be because we're like in it. Mm-hmm. Like, like, the people trying to create these shows are are in it. And where does like addressing something as horrific and traumatic and terrible as the pandemic like fit in with long term viability? And also like as you live history, like how can you figure out how to write around it or about it, depending on your decision? Because like some TV shows are not addressing the pandemic at all. And some Mm -hmm. are 
just saying, all right, let's integrate it in uh, with yeah. Bearing Success. So that's what we're doing today. We're talking about how things have changed, um, including the inauguration. So, well, there's two decisions. I mean, so I mean, well, there's three decisions because one one thing is, you know, the inauguration, which is just real life. And the inauguration is, you know, essentially it was a news event. Right. So it had to change because it had to change. We are, you know, we are living in a world where they had to make adjustments and they were sort of fascinating to watch. And then you've got shows that are addressing it and sort of writing into the plot line. That's probably what we'll talk about most. But I want to talk, touch briefly on the shows that are ignoring it because I, I find that to be sort of a fascinating thing. I, I was watching an interview on um, on Kevin Smith's podcast. Uh, he interviewed Skylar Aston, who is most famous for the Pitch Perfect movies, but he he's on a TV show called Zoe's Infinite Playlist, which is Lovely and delightful, actually. But he talked about they made a decision to not address it because their show, they want their show to sort of be like they've got their story that they're telling and it's not necessarily in any specific year. They're thinking of it as a show that, you know, 10 years, 15 years down the line, people might you know discover on Hulu or Netflix and they don't want it to be about the pandemic. They want it to be this cute little love story that they're, that they were already telling. So they've just had to take a lot of precautions off screen to, you know, basically create a world where he could record the show and essentially you not know if you're watching it outside of the pandemic. And he said, it's funny because, you know, they're, they're living their lives, you know, their set is they're in, they're in an office building. So they're hanging out in the office. And he says, if you move the camera six inches to the left, it would look like, you know, a hazmat room <laughs> because he said all, all this, you know, all the cameramen are geared up, you know, everything's spaced out. And he, and he just talked about, you know, he takes a COVID test literally every day. He gets temperature checks several times a day. So, yeah, I, I find that interesting as well. Well, and I think there's like two. I mean, we've even talked about this, even though we're dealing with the health aspect. Like, I think there's also like two camps of thought in terms of like why you would like wouldn't wouldn't want to address the pandemic. It's like there is a level where we're being inundated with media. that's kind of like I think we've used the phrase before the podcast, like trauma porn, where like <laughs> you're constantly watching to see what happens next. And it's like a heightened state of, state of anxiety, whereas like if you're trying to make a show that especially one that's like more, you know, uh, yeah, more about levity and more more comedic. Like I could totally see like there being a conscious decision of like, no, like people need space away from that. So like even though it is important to have media that's sort of addressing the moment that we're living in, it's equally as important to have media that isn't constantly shoving that experience in your face when you mm-hmm. particularly because it is it 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 is like for for most of us on some level, um definitely to greater degrees for some than others, like a traumatic event that we're all living through. And I mean, I know on the the show we've talked about like the balance of like how much we address pandemic specific stuff and COVID stuff, as well as like politics in sort of uh, the larger context of also like the silly things that we do. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is also weird because as a lot of reporters have pointed out in their own journalism pieces, some of which I linked to on the blog um, when I wrote this post introducing this concept um, of pandemic TV for the show, uh, they like a lot of events don't actually get chronicled in TV shows like uh, you know, nine eleven was not super heavily addressed. And in fact, TV shows change their plot lines. Uh, when there are shootings, um, TV shows will stop airing something or movie premieres will get delayed. Uh, even if like, it's not specifically correlated to the mass shooting event. And I, I, I am wondering, like, is there kind of an equivalent where like something 
horrific on this like mass scale has been addressed in like such like quick terms by quick television terms. films. Yeah, quick terms because like we we uh, like obviously like you know World War Two has like a right, bunch but it of, wasn't like, things it wasn't that immediate. World War Two. Most of the World War Two media happened. Um, well, with the with the exception of Casablanca, which was finished when World, when we actually entered World War Two, um, the story was done, and then they rewrote the ending. Um, they, they did reshoots on, on Casablanca in post mm-hmm. because um, Casablanca uh, launched, it premiered just after the America had officially entered the war. So the most famous scene in Casablanca, that airport scene where she gets on the plane and she says, you know, you know, I, here's looking at you and, you know, oh, we'll always have Paris. And he tells Louis that this looks like the beginning of a beautiful friendship. That's all shot as reshoots. That, that was all done literally in a week um two months after they'd finished filming the movie because they were trying to make it more current but most of the examples i can think of are you know years later like or or at least a year later right like there were there were a lot of war movies that came out after world war ii and vietnam we dealt with over the next decade on television um and a lot of times an allegory right like we did mash which was about Korea, but it was really about Vietnam. <laughs> you know, so there, there were a lot of things like that. And, you know, the Rambo movies and all this stuff. But like um, 9-11, there were a few changes, but mostly it was delays. And a lot of TV shows, you know, friends, you'd never know 9-11 happened. You just, yeah, yeah. You know, we're well, not going to talk about that. How much of that is also like, like that production processes are faster like our shows more able to pivot faster than they would have been for example like in the 40s depends on the show i mean um mm-hmm. like i love lucy they were writing those that week the, like mm-hmm. um desi lu's production time um timeline was days long they were just writer's room to on stage but i also think things like things like an i love lucy where you know you're you're really addressing things in real time um the stories that you want to do uh simpsons right. does well, that's, this that's or, or, like in some ways designed to do that right south park does that today um but i think those shows are you know they're going for levity as opposed to you know i mean if you're watching something that ran forever bonanza bonanza doesn't address current life because it happened in the past right and they've got a dramatic storyline that they're trying to tell and they're and you know any any soap opera has a dramatic storyline that's trying to tell um and you have to really make that choice you know i know hannah you want to talk about gray's anatomy for instance yeah, it i could do have done it uh two shows that i feel like in some ways felt that they had to responsibly address the pandemic um were superstore which is an nbc comedy that focuses on retail workers at what is the equivalent to a walmart and um all Grey's Anatomy, which is the long-running ABC medical drama that focuses on the surgical wing of a Seattle hospital. And um, two very different ways of addressing the pandemic. Um, Superstore is a comedy, and so they they address it by, you know, making jokes, um, but, like, facing it head-on. I mean, Superstore has always been a show, and I, I feel like I'm I am the only one who's really watched it in depth on this podcast, right? Yeah, I've seen yeah. I've seen like three or four of them. Grey's Anatomy? Yeah. Uh, Superstore. Superstore. Oh, Superstore. Sorry. You you guys should totally watch it. It has like a long running unionization plot line. Like I've always wanted to talk about the show and I'm 
so sad because this is actually the NBC decided not to renew it for uh, season seven. So this is the last season. And I'm just kind of upset that like, we're going to be leaving these characters in a pandemic. Um, and like, they, you know, it's addressing like what retail workers are going through head on. They directly talk about like corporate policies and lack of wages and like the problems facing workers who aren't in a union. And um, the season is also, you know, tackled the issues of racism and how that might uniquely play out in big box chain stores and corporate policies. And uh, they also like, um, you know, have everyone wearing masks because, again, it's a pandemic. Although sometimes I've noticed this with Grey's Anatomy, too. Um, sometimes the characters like will take off their masks in like the hallway to talk. And it really kind of bothers me because I'm like, maybe, maybe it's just because I'm packing. I'm like, but, but wouldn't you be wearing a mask because you're at work? <laughs> and it's super dangerous. And I know that like they want people to be able to see the characters on screen, but also that's I would imagine strange. sound. I don't know. Like I wonder how hard it is like to maintain sound quality too with masks and everything. You can do it. It sounds. I mean, they sound muffled like they're wearing a mask, which oh, sure. I guess is kind of realistic. But also, there. I mean, there is the trade off. Right? For like clarity yeah. purposes, yeah. Right. Yeah. You want you want to be able to hear people, and like you're not. You know, I mean, you're paying money for famous actors because people like to look at them. Right. So I, yeah. I understand. And I understand Hannah's point of view, too, though. Does it send the right message just to be like, oh, look, Meredith Grey is so pretty. Huh. You know, well, like well, I, you I, know. I, even message aside, like I also find it really weird. I was scrolling through the Instagrams and looking at the TikToks this morning. And like, I think at this point, it's also like it find I find it weird to look at images of people doing things without masks that I know are supposed to be pre- like our present day. Yeah. <laughs> or like within and by present day, I mean in the last several years. So they're not necessarily like during the time of pandemic. Like it's weird to watch TV shows that are set like in in the general present and not and see people not in masks because that's just not our experience right now. Yeah. <laughs> and and honestly like I I I remember Grey's Anatomy from when I first began watching it when it came out and I introduced Mary to it, which honestly I'm not sure if that was like the best idea given our ages. Um but it's insane. <laughs> how old were you when that started? Um Mary, how old were you? I was, I was, like, I was in high school. In middle school that maybe. Fine. Okay, that's not that that's not that that's not yeah. as bad. I started um, watching so like it started, started watching like sexy soaps in like middle school. Yeah, I know yeah. a lot of people that started watching Grey's Anatomy in high school. That's not yeah. okay. Anyway, yeah. we have students today who are eighteen and are like, "Oh yeah, I've watched it my entire life." So you know, yeah, well, you know, <laughs> like it's it's like it's like showing like a thirteen year old Game of Thrones. Like, should you? Um, yeah. Yes. Uh, it's lovely. You learn so much. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, I, I, you know, but. So I introduced Mary to Grey's Anatomy, and actually, I, I will say that I revisited Grey's like the early season of Grey's Anatomy um, earlier this year because I was like, "Oh, this is like something to take my mind off the pandemic." And but Mary and I, I like quit like somewhere around season seven. But Mary's been faithful and watched all the way through. It's like season sixteen now. Season seventeen currently. Yeah, season seventeen. Seen every episode, every season faithfully. And how would you describe this season as compared to? the previous seasons and the show overall. You know, it's weird because like there's a lot happening in Grace right now. I mean, Meredith is on a vent. Doctors are getting sick. Doctors have lost family and friends. There's like a child trafficking storyline. But at the same time, it just feels very almost boring. It's like, <laughs> you know, it's, well, it's like, like watching okay. the news at some level. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's kind of like watching the news, but it's kind of like, they're stuck doing the same thing all the time. And there's really just not much that's been happening. 
you know, like Meredith has COVID. Okay. And she's just had COVID the whole time. And it's just bizarre because we're so used to Grey's Anatomy, like bombshell, bombshell, bombshell. And that's not really what's been happening this season. It felt like I, I watched the six-ish episodes that were out um, so we could talk about intelligently. Um, but it, it like I, they, I read some of the production um, changes and they said that, you know, they, they, they had longer scenes with fewer actors because of production guidelines. And you can really tell when like it's pointed out to you because um, I watched it on Hulu, right? So like the commercial break comes at the end of one like 10 minute scene where it's just two people talking to each other, <laughs> which I, I actually like think some of those scenes are really well done and they, they give an opportunity for like character building um, or for Grey's Anatomy to address like very specific things about the pandemic, like how it disproportionately affects black and brown people. They, I, I think that they're, you know, probably educating a large swath of their audience who maybe doesn't read the news as much as say news junkies like us. Um, but it's just very strange where like um, you compare it to other seasons where it's like cutscene, 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 because they're trying to you know catch up with their very large cast. Mm-hmm. And then there's the, there's the weird... Um, it, it's just strange to watch a character um, who you've known for almost 20 years, um, even though I haven't watched, get vented, um, which is where we... Sorry for spoilers if you're not watching Resident That's where we left Meredith Grey before the show went on its break until March. So now they get three months to decide or two months to decide whether or not, you know, she'll survive and get vaccinated uh, and stuff or that's just I'm sure I'm sure I'm sure she's going to survive. But they uh, they've dealt with her storyline by like having her be on this beach and um, introducing characters who have died um, so they can have little moments together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. McDr- I know McDreamy came back. Mm-hmm. And George, which, you know, which, by the way, is interesting because like this used to be a show about just, you know, watching guys with abs take their shirts off. And now it's like, <laughs> let's talk about COVID, <laughs> It is, <laughs> which is not I mean, that's not fair. I'm teasing it because, you know, uh, um, um, Shonda's always tried to be sort of socially relevant. But, yeah. you know, yeah. it is weird that that's where this show started. And now, you know, for everything, we're like, well, this is a serious show. So we know we've got to take, uh, you know, we've got to look at these serious issues. And it's like, I guess, but really, it was a show predicated on let's lust after McDreamy and McSteamy. I mean, it was, it was, that's where it started. Is there more pressure for like a medical drama to address COVID though? I mean, okay. I am not a connoisseur of the medical drama genre. Like, are there other shows in this universe that are like ignoring COVID? I would like, I I guess it's like, it seems like a genre where it'd be particularly (sighs) difficult to to ignore. I can answer that a little bit because, so it's weird because Grey's Anatomy is probably the most popular medical drama on the air right now sure. right but and i don't know what the other what the other nighttime medical dramas are but i did go and just catch up on a couple of episodes of one of my you know actually i haven't been watching it regularly in years but i used to be a huge days of our lives fan and days of our lives obviously soap opera but it is a soap opera based around um, you wouldn't know it from the title, but most of the characters or about half the characters work at a hospital. Um, there, a, a lot of them are doctors. Uh, General Hospital obviously was like that, but um, Days has has a big hospital plot as well, and they're not addressing it, which is odd. 
because it seemed like this would be since it, you know, since it's happening in the now and since nobody, you know, with a soap opera, a daytime soap, you're not really that worried about people going back and catching reruns. You're just addressing the now constantly. Mm-hmm. Um, it seems like an obvious thing to do. And I didn't watch a lot. So maybe they are ad- addressing it somewhat. Oh, no, they did. They did mention it. They did say that they're um, OK. It, it's not as heavily addressed as I thought, because now, now that I think about it, there was a scene where they're like, oh, I haven't seen so and so in so long. But, you know, we all have to be careful now with social distancing. So they did say that in one scene. But for the most part, they're not addressing it from their mm. storylines because they've got to focus on all of the, you know, the love triangles and, you know, the, the general soap opera drama is taking precedence over the medical stuff. What I did find interesting about it is, um, and this is this is sort of a more technical thing. There are Hannah, you were talking about the 10 minute scenes. What's great about um, about days is, you know, obviously so soap there's a lot of love scenes and there's a lot of a lot of love scenes where you only see the back of people's heads um and so i read up on it like that didn't used to be true what they did was they um they took the entire like all the cast who were married they hired all their spouses and so they bring in the spouse to play the love interest for the kissing scenes and the love scenes and they just put them in a wig yeah, because yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, OK, well, we you know, we can't not you ha- not have your character in bed with her husband. So can your husband act? OK, we'll put a wig on him and all he's got to do is, you know, lay there shirtless and kiss you. And then we'll bring back in, you know, the regular actor for after that's over, just so that you can, you know, <laughs> and it was like, oh, this is fascinating. And that's just how they that's how they're that's how they're shooting their love scenes, which there are fewer of. But they're doing it with stand-ins of whoever your real life partner is. Huh. And I, Mary, if, correct me if I'm wrong, but I felt like there was much less like romance. Um, well, physical, actually romance and like physical, like kissing or sex scenes in Grey's Anatomy this season. Yeah, definitely. And they're they're uh, writing around it or they're just, they're busy fighting COVID. There's some of it, but it's not like usual. Like, you know, there's a scene where Amelia and Link are in their backyard and he's set up a tent and, you know, she's like, we can't like, you know, get close to each other. And he's like, well, I can think of something else we can do. So, you know, like they're addressing it, but they're still keeping actors far apart. So there there are there are a couple on the show. Yes. Why can't they get close to each other? Presumably they would be in each other's pod. (laughs) Amelia went into the hospital for a consultation. Ah, okay. So now they're they're quarantining apart. I see. Yes. Yeah. And I think she's living in like a tent in the backyard or at least, you know, decontaminating. Yeah. So did it break down in as because the way you explained it was like, I can't think of something else we can do. Sounds like they're doing this creepy thing where they're like masturbating their binoculars or something. Or what did he mean something else? Because that's the vibe I got. Like what I'm remembering is like, that's the vibe, but they're both in the backyard. So they're like distanced. Yeah. While she is protecting her family. Okay, so it really was kind of a no, we're going to masturbate at a distance kind of scene because you said it like that. And I'm like, that's clearly not how that's supposed to be. But no, that's what it is. Okay, got it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's Hannah, it's do you remember that? Am I remembering that correctly? Uh, I, I don't want to say. Um, I'm not <laughs> sure. Um, I, I remember that 
I, I will say that like there's another couple, Maggie and her long distance boyfriend, and so like most of the episodes, you just see them talking to each other on the phone. Um, so there's there's like there's there's some of that too, and I feel like they put off like giving Meredith a love interest by sending her to the beach. Um, <laughs> I, I I mean like I, I think that they they're addressing COVID through mm-hmm. the main character on purpose and very purposefully, but also I I think that um, they they're just giving people different storylines because. Mm-hmm. Well, and I, I and Mary, would you also say because you've watched the show faithfully that this season also feels way more like directly political than like previous seasons? Like they're talking specific statistics like every episode. Yeah, uh, it's always been like socially aware. Yeah, and but it's all being put on Maggie. I feel like Maggie and Miranda Bailey. Don't you agree? Yeah. And and yeah, um, and I think maybe a little bit with Catherine. Yeah, which which is partially because she shares some scenes with Maggie, which um, for those of you who don't watch Grey's Anatomy, they're uh, Miranda Bailey and Maggie are the two major black female characters. Mm -hmm. Um, So it makes sense why they would do that um, to some degree, but also. So aside from Grey's, are there I mean, what other show? I mean, we talked about Superstore a little bit and there's Grey's. What about shows? And I why? Because I know. Um, Mary, you said you watched The Bachelor. How is how are they handling it? Because this is a show which is, I mean, okay, for those who haven't watched The Bachelor before, the entire point of the show is let's watch pretty people hook up in exotic locations, neither of which are good ideas right now. Which I think we should back up to The Bachelorette. Um, okay, because that's the first. That is the first thing that aired. Um, either show. I mean, the, there's the first, first, yeah, they're effectively like, the same like, show, but yes, either yeah. one. <laughs> Which I think I think uh, Mary can say more. I think that they changed the tone a little bit from The Bachelorette to The Bachelor. Um, mm-hmm. But Mary, if you want to talk about how it changed and what's going on. Yeah. So The Bachelorette aired, I guess, in the fall and. It was bizarre. Like, it felt very heavy-handed with addressing COVID with, like, you know, Claire, the original Bachelorette, kept saying, like, you know, what a sacrifice for these men to quarantine for 14 days and constantly get tested so they can try to find love with me. And, you know, there was much more. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Which also, like, I want to say that, like, it must be very hard to strike the right tone for any show trying to address COVID. But also... You're in a like Yeah. Read the room, people. Like, I mean, as somebody who, you know, has been very fortunate during the pandemic, you know, like family members haven't gotten seriously ill. I'm still employed. I was like, are you kidding me? There are people out there with real problems. And you're just like, what a sacrifice these men are making (sighs) to come live in this fancy resort. And she was, and she was like sobbing models. because she she originally thought she couldn't be the Bachelorette because production originally shut down, and so she was like, "I just I thought I'd lost my chance." And I I get it. Like we've all lost opportunities we're excited about or things we wanted to do, but also, uh-huh. <laughs> but also it it just it was it was not great. So the so they so instead of traveling places, they all like are in one spot. Yeah. So they're all at least in the Bachelorette. They all lived at. A La Quinta resort. And, you know, like the men all had their individual rooms to begin with. And, you know, all the dates were on the resort. It was very bizarre. Um, And I felt at the beginning very heavy handed until Claire unexpectedly ended her season early after two weeks and got engaged to Dale, one of the contestants. 
And now they've broken up. And now they've broken up. Unsurprising <laughs> to shocking no one. Who could have predicted? <laughs> uh, but actually, a lot of people. There are rumors that the season was affected by COVID in another sense because while the while Claire and Dale did not talk, he was cast before production shut down. So maybe she developed some sort of interest in him by stalking his social media. Yeah, I, there were definite yeah, rumors like that because people. production was shut down, that Claire <laughs> and the men both had time to kind of stalk each other on social media. Yeah. And perhaps even talk, even though like that was denied on the show, right? Okay. <laughs> I fast I, I, I watched it because I knew we would talk about this because it is one of the reality TV shows that was able to figure out, I use the term loosely, how to remain in production, um, unlike, you know, Amazing Race, which is just sort of yeah. done for now. Um, but it was it was uh, it was too much for me. I had to fast forward. And then we and so like they replaced her with a second bachelorette. Taisha. I felt Taisha was much more I Claire felt very heavy handed and Taisha was just like I'm so grateful to have been given this opportunity like let's like I recognize how insane this is but like let's go for it and she ended up getting engaged at the end of the show as well we'll see if that you know I won't I won't um I will say uh, watching watching Tasha and Zach's proposal, I cried. It felt like the most genuine experience I have seen on The Bachelor Bachelorette to date. There's a whole nother show in this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, um, we're getting derailed. Just, but, um, for the, the Bachelor was different. So go, so go ahead. Yeah, The Bachelor feels much more like it usually does. You know, like they obviously address that everybody's been quarantining and tested and you'll occasionally see a producer in a mask if you know the camera shots go that way but um it feels much more like a regular season i think they realize that you know being so heavy-handed with the pandemic maybe was not what their audience wanted to see yeah i mean nobody's watching the bachelor for reality right like that's not the i mean i know it's called reality tv but that's not the appeal of these shows is like oh let's watch people deal with the same problems that i have no no that's not what i turned it on and 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 how do they first introduce us to the pandemic in the bachelor i don't remember they have an opening shot of one of the contestants coming to meet the bachelor and she has something hidden behind her back and she's like i've this has gotten me through quarantine i've i've felt like i've come like this has like been with me i'm hoping that like you can like fill like the i i don't want to say that because of what i'm about to say i i hope that you can be a replacement i guess and then she pulls out a dildo our our vibrator um which the uh, production sensors, which I feel like the bat maybe it's just a network TV thing, but I feel like it's the bachelor. Like if you're going to use this to introduce your show, I don't know why you're censoring that because you're the bachelor, but okay. And so they, they like get back to like the, I mean, like it feels like ABC has always kind of marketed the bachelor as being like pushing the envelope. We're sexy. And, um, yeah, they, they like address quarantine through a vibrator. Yeah. Mm. And I will say something that has changed with COVID and the bachelor bachelorette is, you know, occasionally in a normal season, they would have a date in front of a live audience where maybe they have to write a song and sing it in front of like a crowd full of strangers or something like that. And now your live audience, when you're on a date, is the other women or men in the house. And oh, so, fun. yeah, <laughs> an added well, layer you made out with last week. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So this past week, the group date was the women had to write erotic stories about The Bachelor and read them in front of a live audience, which was the other women. Mm -hmm. 
Oh, that's okay. Um, this is why I can't watch these shows. <laughs> so just to look at other reality shows, I mean, you mentioned Amazing Race just had to cease production because there is just no way to do that show. Like there's no the entire concept is we're not staying in one place. So you just can't do it. Um, I don't know what Survivor is doing right now. I have watched some other game shows. I've watched um, uh, The Masked Singer, which did a very odd thing in which they are they are recording it in front of the judges who are now farther apart than they used to be. And then they've got no studio audience. So they're using clips of people applauding or cheering from previous seasons, which they're splicing in. And then the Masked Dancer, their new spinoff, which has never been recorded in front of a studio audience, is doing the same thing. And it's just odd. Right. Like, um, I've also seen other, you know, I've seen some game shows. Um, they're doing stuff like let's space the podiums out. You know, there are all the sets got wider. The hosts are never anywhere near any of the contestants. and. So people are addressing it in, you know, in oddly visual ways, right? Like it, it makes for sort of off-putting things. I don't know why. I don't know why Mass Singer chose to do it the way they did, because I am painfully aware that the audience is not there the entire time. And I find it more of a distraction. Um, I've seen like, you know, obviously sports have been doing this. Pro wrestling has... Um, a thing where uh, the WWE has set up a thing where you can buy a virtual ticket and then you get to watch it and um, over, you know, you get to watch it on your computer and then your face might appear in the crowd where they've got these um, basically um, they've got flat screen TVs in the in the stadium. So so you can just see people on their couches in the audience, which is odd. So I don't I mean. Sometimes I just wonder if it's even worth addressing, right? Like, would it would it have just been better to just leave that out? Because I find that creepy. Yeah, same thing with, I think, soccer. My husband, Charlie, watches it a lot. And they have an option. You know, no crowds are there. And they have an option where you can choose to watch it the way it is, which is eerily quiet. Or you can choose to pipe in crowd noise from previous games. Like on the Internet? I mean, you press a button and you decide where you want, whether you want crowd noise or not? I think so, yeah. Weird. I think it may depend on like where you're streaming it. But yeah, I, you know, one day he was like, look at this and turned off the crowd noise. And it was bizarre. Yeah, yeah, it, it is. I mean, and I, I mean, sports that have played in front of no crowd. It is very, very different. Right. So one thing that with the wrestling thing, for instance, I watched it when the pandemic first started and I've watched recently and they're getting better at it. But when it first when it first switched over, it was sort of no one, you know, none of the wrestlers are are used to performing in front of nobody. Right. So if they're giving a speech, they're yelling just like they normally would, because that's just how you that's how you cut a promo. But I'm like, who are you yelling at? There's there's no one there. What what are you doing? You've got a microphone, (laughs) but but it just it's a it's a different kind of performance acting than than you than anybody's trained to do. And, you know, um, um, just for for the NFL and for baseball, different stadiums addressed it different ways. So some people had empty had empty arenas and some didn't. And it's just odd, right? Like it's just listening to people, watching people play a game where it's just completely silent other than like, oh, look, you can hear the ref talking. That's weird because there's no other sound. Yeah. Which, oh, by the way, um, Survivor, I I wanted to say, is apparently scheduled to film in spring of this year. Mm -hmm. But who knows if that'll happen? Because, you know, 
new contagious strands. Well, but that's the one you actually could do. If you if you quarantined the entire cast for like three or four weeks before and literally quarantined them, then then just drop them on the island. Like you can you can effectively bubble off Survivor, right? Because if you can take them to if you can take people, you know, are healthy to a location where they can't interact with anybody else. That should be fine. I think that's I I, I haven't actually seen the most recent the current season. I kind of think that's what they did with RuPaul's Drag Race, the one that's airing now. Okay, they just forced them to quarantine before. I mean, if you force them to quarantine so, because, long enough before the show starts, yeah, right. Because well, I think also RuPaul's Drag Race. Like, I don't I don't know how exactly it works because I'm not that much of a I'm not I'm not I don't know things I don't actually know things. Uh, but like they don't they're supposed to keep it secret that they're on the show, and I think it's kind of like reality TV where they like live in a house together, even though that's not part of the show. They're kind of mm-hmm. like, even during normal times, sort of quarantined off because they don't, yeah. I think it's like the idea is they don't want it until they release the promo videos and whatever. They don't want it known who, right. um, yeah, like who's on the show. That's how yeah, Survivor is. When Survivor, yeah, oh, just when you get voted off the island, Survivor, you don't. Uh, you, typically, you don't actually go home. You get voted off, yeah, and then no, you, you go, go hang to, out at the hotel that you. Ponderosa. You, know. you go to Ponderosa, and they right. have a series. Like they started a YouTube series. Like I don't remember what season, but you can watch like uh, like mini videos of like mm-hmm. people after they leave the island and they're on Ponderosa. And it gets mm-hmm. really funny when like one person's like, I hate this woman. I will never speak to her. And then the next thing you know, they're like hanging out on the beach, like laughing, having a good time. Um, anyway, that that just shows you how much Survivor um, I've watched this pandemic. But, you know, like Great, Great British Bake Off did something similar for their latest season. They all quarantined together and mm-hmm. they had to like get their ingredients like shipped in. Mm-hmm. And it was it was it was a, it was a season. Yeah, I mean, there's I mean, it's those things you can adapt for. I'm curious about, you know, we talked a little bit about this with Grays, but what about other shows that are addressing it? Um, Because one of the ones that I've been watching is Law and Order SVU, and they've been addressing it. You know, their entire thing has always been ripped from the headlines, you know, Um, so they're addressing it by just, you know, they're playing cops in New York City. So. They wear masks because they can. Now, they also have the problem that Hannah was complaining about, which is when they're just hanging out at the station, they'll just take their masks off, which is just because people want to see Mariska Hargitay and Ice-T, I guess, you know, like, you know, we hired these actors for for what they look like, but they they mostly go on calls and they'll have masks on and then they'll go to um They've had plots that have been dealing with the pandemic directly, like, you know, um, somebody ends up murdered and it's a bunch of roommates. And, you know, they're like, well, I don't know who it could be. We haven't seen anybody because we've been quarantining, you know, so things like that. They've they've been trying to, like, sort of deal with things as they would have would occur. They've also been dealing with a lot of uh, fallout from the George Floyd, you know, protests and everything. So they've had some racial storylines going on. So that's one way where I feel like they're at least doing it responsibly. But I mean, their show is crafted in such a way as that it just makes sense, you know, sort of like Grey's Anatomy. Yeah. And I, I, I do like there, there are other shows that I don't really watch that are doing this. Like this is us, um, for example. And it actually, Oh, so Mary, you do watch. Oh yes. Huge. This is us fan. Do you like this season? It's definitely different, but yeah. I mean, I think that they, in my opinion, have handled COVID and even their like addressing of the Black Lives Matter movement has been one. It fits. It went well. It didn't just come out of left field, you know, like it kind of fit into the storyline they were building. But I think that they've done a really great job addressing it and, you know, not making it feel, 
you know, like in Grey's Anatomy, like we talked about, sometimes it feels like Maggie is just like rattling off statistics every episode. But I think they've done a really great job of making it more a part of the character storyline, if that makes sense. Yeah, I, I cannot comment because I've not seen the season because uh, This Is Us made me cry every single episode on a normal oh, show. And I just so good. Good cries. Uh, but, you know, there's there's also like there's the shows that are completely ignoring it. There are the shows that are addressing it and agreeing it heavily. And then there are the store the shows that are semi addressing it. Like uh, Katya asked um, about medical shows that are are they ignoring it? Uh, the Good Doctor, which I do not watch, but I know they had like a very special COVID episode, <laughs> and basically um, tonight on a very special blossom. That was just for you, Mav. Um, and then they like have like moved on to like post pandemic storylines, and then I I did something I'm ashamed of, and uh, just for this podcast, I watched the first two episodes of Tim Allen's comedy, The Last Man Standing, <laughs> because I found out. Yeah, I know. First of all, I've seen it. I discovered I, I discovered that one. I don't find Tim Allen funny anymore just by like watching some of his older stuff, including like the Santa Claus. I'm like, why do I want this man to be Santa? Anyway, that's not the point. Point is um, what Last Man Standing did was they decided to like skip ahead to 2023 um and so they addressed the pandemic at the very beginning of the first episode with like um a baby shower that's like over zoom and talk of quarantining and some like blog that tim allen's character does where he decides to not shave also it's actually kind of depressing that last man standing thinks it's going to be 2023 until we're done with the well pandemic. and what happens um, if they're wrong right like what happens if we're um, still doing this then no well, I, I mean, it doesn't it doesn't really matter. It's just that they're skipping ahead one, um, according to like, um, I think one of the writers, at least our, sh- our showrunner. Um, so I read one of the interviews are skipping ahead because they didn't want to deal with the pandemic, although like in the same way um, that other shows are dealing with it head on in current time, even though they said they plan to address how it like affected some of the characters. But two, uh, they didn't want to deal with the baby on set. So they skipped ahead. So the baby is now well, every other show just ages the baby. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean i mean i mean to be fair parks and rec did the same yeah parks and rec basically did yeah. the same thing to skip ahead to like not do a repeat storyline of leslie uh starting a new job and dealing with babies yeah. so they skip ahead with toddlers and having her already comfortable with her job and then they predicted 2017 and let me be honest i want to live in the parks and rec 2017 more than i want to live in our <laughs> well, current i mean i'm we're over well, but see, the difference but, there is parks and rec was always a more um it, it was it, the the irreverence there the the craziness of parks and rec um which by the way is a better show than last man standing but uh, every show is a better yeah, show than th- last but man that said, standing for, yeah, for, what it, for what last man standing is trying to do it is and i don't necessarily agree with the politics but it's a highly political show that is trying to address currency through tim allen's eyes and you you're essentially giving that up if you're in the future right because they don't know what the they don't know what political scandals or strife we're going to be dealing with in 2023 so now they're just they're just out of you know so for the show for people who don't know he is very very right wing on the show um and has one daughter who is very left wing 
and then everybody else just is more or less in the middle leaning towards him because they're afraid of him but like that's a lot of the plot lines of the show and you just lose that now (laughs) he went on and on about the greatness of Ronald Reagan defeating communism, which um, in this current moment right. seems quite tone deaf in particular. Um, uh, and also there was a plot line in the second episode, which has nothing to do with the pandemic, but I'm going to tell you because I'm annoyed about it anyway. About like, I, there, there are these two annoying middle-aged men characters and they went on and on about how like this female heavy, like superhero television show was terrible and it didn't compare to Toxic Titans, which I guess... Given their toxic masculinity, I appreciated the name correlation. That's the one thing I appreciated from the show. Anyway, I don't think it was trying to say this, but uh, it was like these men are terrible. I think uh, well, I've seen enough know. of them, and I'm not a huge fan of the show. I've uh, I've watched um, several episodes from various place dur- places during the series run when I was looking at it for some other reason, and um, they're clearly. Uh, it's consistent enough that they know, even though I know Tim Allen is the producer, even though I know he is conservative in real life, he clearly knows that he's writing a show about a horrible person. Like he knows that his character is not good um, because it's consistent enough and he loses often enough to now. I think he thinks it's more of a lovable father who's um not bigoted, but brash. Like, uh, like I think he's he thinks he's doing like an Al Bundy kind of thing, as opposed to a Carol O'Connor kind of thing, uh, an Archie Bunker kind of thing. Like that's what he thinks he's doing. But he's aware that he's he's aware that his character is an asshole. Like he definitely knows. No, no, no. To yeah, to be fair, I'm not talking about Tim Allen's character. I'm talking about the husband and oh, okay. like some other guy who runs yeah. a podcast yeah, with him them of too. the daughter. And yeah, I just yes, like, I, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I'm just like, but what if you, I mean, to be fair, they're, they're, um, they're men on a podcast about superheroes, which I realize, um, <laughs> describes our podcast yes. to some degree. Um, but also like, you know, there's, there's that mm-hmm. stereotype. So I know that they're playing with it, but also at the same time, like, but what if you divorce your husband? Because I wouldn't be able to put that on a daily basis. Anyway, that was, that was like one, I guess that was like one way to deal with the pandemic, like to, to acknowledge that it like had a huge effect while being able to tell a different storyline, I guess we'll see how it works out. I guess like now that we've talked about some of the options that TV has done to like address this and we're about to talk about like the big film lockdown HBO Max release, but I, I kind of wonder, and we can maybe talk about this uh, in relation to lockdown. Will we want to watch any of these seasons I, ever again after, after this season? I mean, like the bachelor, I mean, okay. There's like two aspects of this. It's like one is, do you want to watch it as a person who watches television, which I think is an interesting question. And I think highly variable depending on what, especially like what your experience of 2020 slash 2021 is. But the other thing is also like as artifacts of cultural history, like even if they're not necessarily like fun TV viewing, like I think that's like they're hugely important as part of the cultural record. Right. But then the question is who's TV being produced for? Is it being produced for the masses or is it being produced for, you know, us, right? Because we're weird. <laughs> well, and I, but also in this case, I think that there's there's some overlap, like because like for example, I mean this is kind of a trite example, but like you know there's there's like people going on Twitter. It's like how you could explain this to like for example your children or your grandchildren who didn't live through mm-hmm. this. Like media is one way to do mm-hmm. that. Like and I think especially like so like I think there's going to be overlap between like cultural researchers looking back, you know, 
50, even 100 years from now, like trying to reconstruct what this moment, like the significance of this moment. But I think also like even with our own lifetimes, I think there's there's going to be a lot of explaining to others and explaining to ourselves what this experience was. I don't know if that makes it like right. fun. Well, but viewing. you're talking about the you're talking about the idea that like 21st hand, century um, views of what World War Two were are based as much on movies about World War Two as people have people's memories of stories told from their at, at this point, great grandparents. Right. You, you know, so. Right. So, I mean, I guess there's there is that, you know, it is a cultural record, but and maybe it just seems odd because we're living the moment while we're producing the moment. Right. I don't know that we could really say if like it's going to be something that we care about. Well, I mean, I'm not like, gonna, see the thing if I'm a if I'm a fan, if if it's the year 2040 and I'm a fan of this old show called The Bachelorette that I found out about. Right. And I go back and I'm just watching old seasons. And this is the thing that happens. Right. Like um, so um, my nieces who are yeah. 14 and 10 are currently watching all of Survivor. They started a year ago with season one because it doesn't matter, right? They're new to them. So they're going, you know, they they don't know who any of these people are. The cultural time period. It's weird because, hey, they're watching videos from home on what are those blocky things that they're inserting into? I guess that's a TV, right? Because they've never seen VCRs before. (laughs) But but I mean, to them, like they know what CDs are, but like in DVDs, but like VCRs are weird. So there are cultural things that are like that, that are out of place for them, but they can deal with that the same way that somebody deals with a rotary phone on a show that, you know, that came out when we were kids. Right. So they, they understand that. But if you're doing that with the bachelorette, right. And you're watching bachelorette from season one through season 30 you know when in the future at some point you're going to get to season i don't know what are we on 15 20 whatever season we're on right and you're going to be like and then there was this weird season where everybody was doing weird stuff because and masks and like they didn't go anywhere it becomes bizarre right but i think that is different so the nearest equivalent like the nearest equivalent I've experienced to that recently, which is is different in that it's not changing people like the way that the show is being recorded per se. Like, like is, again, hi, I've been rewatching all the old seasons of RuPaul's Drag Race, so it's top of mind. But like, I've, I just recently listened, yeah. like, was watching the season that was the year Donald Trump was elected, mm-hmm. and I'm not gonna lie, it made the show much more interesting. Uh-huh. Even it wasn't a major storyline, there were constant references to like what was going politically. Like somebody was impersonating Melania. Like, and it made the show way more interesting uh, and compelling. I think partially because, like, like, I obviously well, lived I'm, through that time I'm, because I'm, I am not a child. <laughs> uh, but, like, so I don't know. Like, I, I could totally see, like, for example, I mean, actually, even just the same show, like, uh, the most, you know, season 12, which I'm actually currently re watching, and now season 13, like, the filming of aspects of, the, of, of season 12, and now I think all of season 13 was impacted by COVID-19. I mean, honestly, I think that that's it's interesting kind of in the moment to see like how they're dealing with that challenge. But I think also like in retrospect, I think it will be like as fascinating as sort of like the political references that are going on in the earlier seasons, just because it's like it adds a layer to the show. I don't know that I find really compelling. I don't know if that'd be the same for The Bachelorette or these other TV or like Survivor, for example. But like it's it's interesting Mm -hmm. because I think often like reality TV feels very, I mean, like both appropriately and ironically, disjointed from the rest of the world. It exists in this little bubble, usually by design. And I think like when you have these like these these moments either politically or like 
I mean, or with the pandemic, like it kind of grounds it in ex- our experience in a different way than they're, I, 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 that at least that, that I typically, typically associate with those shows. I mean, Mary, do you, I, I, I guess I was thinking about rewatchability as well. Like, Mary, do you usually rewatch The Bachelor or Bachelorette or do you just sort of like consume a season and then you're done? Consume a season, then I'm done. True. Yeah. I, I kind of wonder if like some of these shows, it matters less because like, yeah, you're right, um, Mav, that people will go back and rewatch them if they've never seen them. But uh, like, it's not serialized in the same way that like Grey's Anatomy is. And I honestly wonder like if people like I go back and watch like seasons like one and two of Grey's Anatomy when I want to watch something that mm-hmm. is light. Though so actually I've gotten more squeamish about the blood than I was when I was 16. I don't know. Strange. But I don't I don't think I ever want to rewatch this season. I don't know if you feel differently, Mary. I mean, mm. it's been a long time since I started up. Like, I think I would have to be starting at the beginning in it for the journey to see it all again. But I probably would not rewatch it until the show is over. And I, I, I mean, to be fair, the reason why I might not rewatch the season of Superstore is because I'm concerned about how it's going to end. And also um, the big change about Superstore besides the pandemic is that yeah, America Ferrera was one of the main characters. Well, she was one of the main characters. Yeah. Uh, she wasn't the only star, um, uh, but she she was one of the like main characters of like the main couple, uh, kind of like a Jim and Pam situation if we want to go to the office. Um, and she actually was on more episodes than she was supposed to be this season um, because of COVID. But she's gone now and... Now, like, um, the other main character, Jonah, is just really sad because his really long-term relationship ended in a really, like, in a very quickly, actually, in a way that I feel like I didn't want to watch for six episodes, but feel like if they were going to end it, should have addressed it over time instead of, like, one episode to say goodbye. Um, and so I might I might just, like, end the show on, se- uh, on the pa- previous season, of, like, because it, like, shut down production and they didn't film the finale. Um, because because it's just sad. I just I just want characters to have a happy ending. That's why it's so hard for me to watch Grey's Anatomy. If you uh, you know if I've heard the show or if you you know are my sister, because my favorite characters were either ruined by characterization or they're dead. Hmm. A lot's happened on Grey's Anatomy. <laughs> I, I just I don't know. Uh, I mean, so if you're talking about something like Grey's Anatomy and addressing it or these other shows, like Hannah, you had us watch a film that you know you mentioned earlier, uh, Lockdown. Which is a film produced, you know, by HBO after the pandemic started that deals directly with it, that is trying to, you know, specifically address this moment. And I think this goes more into Katya's question, because I think I would watch this film outside of pandemic times. I actually liked it. Oh, oh, I hated it. You hated it? I'm going to have a caveat here. I expected this to be awful. Like you pitched it as something we should watch for the show. And from the ads for it, I thought it would be a very different movie than it was. I thought it was just going to be a rom-com about being locked inside, which in some ways it was, but it was was awesome. I mean, it had elements of that and the ads made it look like that, but it's really a heist movie. It's also it's also not a heist movie. It's also really more of a like people slowly going mad. Insane. Yeah, like in their own homes um because they're tortured by their internal demons and global capitalism. And I'm serious. Like that they yeah. they they really like they make sure you understand that capitalism is the villain. Like the the plot the the heist plot is constructed 
to the point that there is no arguable reason why they shouldn't do the heist. And it's specifically because rich people are evil and do bad things. Yeah, this is this is another one of those. You know, there there, there might have to be a spinoff show of our show that is just in particular me and you. But like all of us, but, but, you know, it's the let's uh, let's review obscure movies. You know, you know how, the, how we had the one episode devoted all to um, all to the Queen's Gambit, but everybody watched the Queen's Gambit. And so, you know, it was interesting. And we did one about Avengers Endgame, but everybody watched Avengers Endgame. I have so much to talk about with just this film um, because you're right. Like the the weird Marxist argument that it tries to make. In relation to the mental health aspect that capitalism hurts versus how we view issues of race and class in times of, you know, who gets a second chance and who doesn't and then played against the pandemic. There was so much going on. Yeah. That's why I'm surprised you didn't like it. I, I mean, it certainly is not a boring movie. No, it, <laughs> there's. I, well, in some ways, it actually kind of it in the same way that Grey's Anatomy is kind of boring right now, because like it's it's like being trapped inside and like you're slowly like dying inside. Um, which, I, I, which like I honestly felt like this was the longest two hours of my life. Um, for it's like long, a long yeah, time. It's, it's also long. It is. It is. I mean, purposefully long. Mary, you couldn't make it through the for through 10 minutes. Um, right. No, we turned it off. And why did you turn it off? It was just boring. I mean, oh my gosh, two people, okay, two people who hate each other, who are not endearing to the audience at all. Oh, no, not at all. No. <laughs> Very much not so. Are just miserable together and complain in the first 10, 15 minutes, and that's it. That's a, a hard pass for me. Like, it was a little too real, too negative. And I think the difference between, like, lockdown and Grey's and This Is Us and, you know, The Bachelor, Bachelorette is like, I know those people on Grey's Anatomy. I was 10, 11 when I started watching it. Like, I'm committed. Mm -hmm. but, like, these are just strangers who are terrible. Yeah. <laughs> living through a terrible thing that we're all experiencing. Yeah. It's also like, Josh liked it, I think. I can't tell. He was like, but I wonder if it's too soon. And I said, but would anyone watch this movie? Like a couple no. of years from now when this is over, because it's like genuinely upsetting and it feels like you're living this because you are, but then you're doubly living mm -hmm. it on screen. And I feel like someone like saw all those tweets about couples getting like divorces and wanting to kill each other during quarantine. Remember that trope early on in all this? Mm -hmm. And they thought, oh, what if I made a movie about a couple's relationship breaking down before the pandemic and the pandemic bringing them together, except make right. it miserable? Katya, did you I mean, is, did you watch it or no? Mm -mm. OK, because I because I'd be really curious as to your take, because it really is exactly the thing that you were talking about right like it mm -hmm. this is a movie where they are trying i mean i i can't say mary is wrong for her review at all right like everything that she said is absolutely correct about this film because it's not trying to entertain anybody so much as it is to capture everything about the moment that is march ish of like around march of the year 2020 like literally 
we're going to get this. This is exactly that world. So we need to deal with the beginning of lockdown, the uncertainty, the um, problems with the economy that were already going on. What you know, what it means to live in a global marketplace controlled by dot com superstores like it's literally trying. It's not really trying to be romantic or fun or happy. They are not likable people. I will say I enjoyed it and there are lots of twists and turns. And by the end, um, okay, spoilers for this movie that probably most of our audience won't listen to, but they do end up together at the end. And I was happy for them that they ended up together. They're still not likable. You get to the end of the movie and I was like, oh, okay, fine. But yeah, you're kind of shitty people. Um, You happen to be. I guess morally right because of where my politics happen to lie. And also because the movie has constructed this, this odd fiction of unlikely circumstances to put them in a place where Hannah is right. And that you, you have to root for them because the bad guy is capitalism. So, so it's not so much that they've mm-hmm. become wonderful. It's that no, they're on the right side conveniently because the plot has placed them there. But it's not about entertaining. It's about like it's it really is this movie that is about thinking about this weird circumstance that um, I think you could make the movie outside of covid time. Right. Like you could you could construct a movie which is about um, a married couple getting divorced, but also decided deciding to do this heist because capitalism is evil and no one would have looked at it because it wasn't COVID time. Right. Like no one would have paid attention to this movie in I would have. Right. Like if, if you told it to me like on like that, I'd go like, oh, OK, I'll watch this. But like it just wouldn't have had any real eyeballs on it. I don't think I will say that the one thing that made this movie interesting about like its use of the pandemic is that the pandemic is what triggers Anne Hathaway's character to like look at herself. Yeah. And like reevaluate her life and how she fits into I'm going to just go ahead and say it on despite the cliche of the machine of capital and how like she has become someone that she sees as a villain and the pandemic becomes the mirror. And I think that like that, that is that has become the case for a lot of people who have now recognized that, oh, like normal was real bad for a lot of people. Um, But we're now just recognizing how bad it actually was because we can't hide from it anymore because the pandemic affects everyone, albeit some people do more disproportionately than others. So, yeah. And it's Anne Hathaway and like, again, I can never say his name. Chiwetel Ejiofor. I think that's how you pronounce it, um, are the leads. And both of them do this, right? Like, I, I do think that I think you're right in that it's created the film is constructing this world where the pandemic has forced them to reevaluate their lives. But to Katya's point, isn't that I don't want to say good, but isn't that the interesting thing about what 2020 was? Right. Like there was a lot of that, not just I mean, for for lots of people who have never dealt with it before, like there was a lot of regular people dealing with, well, you know, what have I become? You know, do I want to deal with my mental health problems? Do I want to deal with my career? Do I want to deal with now my marriage, my relationship? Like, I, I don't think that's unrealistic. So as a social statement about what, you know, what the pandemic era, the COVID era was or is, I mean, is in that we're still in it. But like, will you look back at this in? Okay, we won't because we'll have lived it. But will this be an interesting relic for, you know, intro to film students or film, you know, to study 
in 2045. I don't know. Maybe we need to wait until the pandemic is over and in five years revisit this kind of kind of media. I'm I'm not kidding. If assuming yeah, we have no, a show I... in five years, um, but like it, it, I feel like it. It's kind of like when we uh, did our episode on. The week of January 6th, it's like, I mean, what can you say that when when you're like in it that I mean, some of the, it's not completely useless, but, you know, there's the like the the crown on Netflix, the showrunners claim they're not going to do present day because they want some like critical distance from the royal family mm-hmm. covering those events. Well, on the other hand, I don't know if anyone wants to ever do a pandemic movie ever again. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure they. I'm sure they, they, will. they will. And, they will. and it. And I mean, this is the first one out the gate, right? So, uh, um, there's been TV. Katya, at the very beginning, you asked about the turnaround times. Um, Hannah, you looked the. You looked this up. This movie was filmed in like 14 days or something. Uh, so it was filmed in 18 days, and okay. the leads did not have all their lines memorized. So you can tell. Oh you, God, you can tell. You can tell, and also like you can understand why if you watch more than ten minutes. And I don't judge anyone who turns it off because, again, mm-hmm. I would not have finished it if it weren't for the show. Um, but like they have some very, very long monologues, last mm-hmm. rants. Um, yeah, and you know, I think there's a reason that like an eighth of the dialogue is poetry read off a phone screen. <laughs> well, and. I mean, again, I I liked it. I don't know that I can recommend this. This is like you know, we like we did our episode on cuties, where I'm just like, this is a very specific kind of thing. Um, this is a moment of t- in time, and it's it's dealing with people who are losing their minds, right? Like they're losing their minds, and so it becomes like the fact that their lines aren't quite memorized more or less reads like I don't know what to say because I'm in this situation where I'm going crazy you know living with my soon to be ex-wife or ex-husband and uh this is frustrating and so it it comes across like that in a weird way and then there's also there's there are weird unresolved plot lines and themes where the movie amongst the dealing with the pandemic and the breakup of their marriage and are they still in love with each other it's also trying to deal with um should or should not drugs be legalized and different penalties for black people versus white people in the criminal justice system and um, questioning your sexuality. And there's so much going on that like is just sort of the, there's a subplot where, um, where Anne Hathaway's character had uh, had a lesbian experience at some point. It's not shown. It's not glamorized like salaciously or anything. It's just odd background for her character that doesn't really affect the plot in any way, shape or form other than you learn about it oddly. And then there's a subplot that of like, you know, him trying to find a job, which, you know, having trouble finding a job because he's got a record as an ex con, which affects the plot because it gives him motivation. But again, not really. It's just that they wanted to talk about the unfairness of how we treat black men with criminal records. So it's weird. I I will tell (laughs) you you something. And um, if it might make more, this, the script might make more sense once I say it. This, this movie was written by Stephen Knight, who most recently wrote the Anne Hathaway vehicle Serenity, which is the greatest film ever created. Uh, oh, wow. <laughs> also, like perhaps the strangest film ever created, where every actor is acting in a different genre and it's a retelling of Mo- Moby Dick with virtual reality. 
Yeah. Oh, uh -huh. yeah. And, and now it suddenly all comes together. Uh, yeah. No, 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 no. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. So anyway, did not realize that. Um, <laughs> well, it seems like as in all timelines, we have resolved yeah. nothing. Well, I think we've all yeah. resolved that Last Man Standing I mean, is not on anyone's watch list in a normal day. No. No, I, I can never recommend that. I, there is one episode that I probably end up watching this season. And again, I've seen the show a dozen times in the ever, however many years it's been on the air. I am very curious in that they are apparently doing an episode that is a crossover with Home Improvement. Oh, I watched that also, one. Which also starred Tim oh, Allen and oh. he's going to play both characters and they're going to meet. And I've seen screenshots of them, you know, film, like their production stills of filming it. And I am curious about it because that seems weird and apparently uh, again this is something that came together because they had more time on their hands during pandemic and that to like work it but apparently you know he doesn't own that show he owns his show and there were lots and lots and lots of meetings to get the rights to the character so that they could do this and i'm just curious um, i don't think it'll be good but i'm curious so i don't i, don't, I can't recommend watching last man standing um I don't want to say I recommend watching lockdown, but I kind of hope some of our listeners do because I want, I want people's opinions in the comments. So if you watch lockdown, let us know your thoughts in the comments below this episode. Cause I, I really want to know what people make of it. I mean, I think superstore is still pretty good and probably is the best example I've seen of like pandemic TV. That also is not depressing. Um, I can't recommend the season of Grey's Anatomy um, unless you want a lot. Can you recommend Nathan Mary? Um, I 100% endorse the Bachelor Bachelorette franchise as I knew you were going to do this from you know the non-drama filled individual lives that I think a lot of us are experiencing. What like I go to work and I come home and that's about it. Hardly see anybody, yeah. but here there's so much interpersonal drama. You go to work? Yeah. Like outside your house? house. <laughs> so I guess maybe I have a little bit more That's interaction amazing. than some people. But yeah, you want some something to think about. Bachelor, Bachelorette franchise. But also, like, I think This Is Us has had a solid season. Sure, it makes me cry, but it's like a heartwarming, generous cry. So do you not watch Superstore because it's too close to your reality? No, I just, you know, haven't really gotten there yet. Oh, I have an update about pandemic affecting our entertainment. <sighs> Movies rescheduling? Yep. So uh, if you're keeping up with our box office game, <laughs> because I'm doing this. Um, so actually, even more movies have changed since I last texted uh, the group chat. Uh, so Quiet Place has been yeah. uh, and The Kingsman and Morbius um, have all been pushed back. Morbius is going to 2022. Mm -hmm. um, A Quiet Place and Kingsman have been pushed back to like the fall. Has Morbius officially been yeah, moved to January. 2022? They, they moved it and they weren't according, sure. I uh, mean, according to it. Box Office Mojo, I'll put this in the show notes. <laughs> Peter Rabbit 2, June 2021. Mm -hmm. Ghostbusters Afterlife, November 2021. Yeah. Uncharted, February 2022. Yeah. Last Night in Soho, October 2021. Am's Family. Has actually moved up. Interesting. A week. I'm interested by the and ones that are moving up. I wouldn't know the how, rationale. How the fuck is Katya going to win this game again? Uh, and no, no time to die in October. And Bios you followed August. Joy and serendipity, apparently, that works out. I don't know. I lost Uncharted. Yeah. Um, I haven't yeah. I have not lost any movies yet, which is a lot better than I was doing last time. Right. Um, I mean, I think which, there's not to say I won't. I think that it just it just reinforces the fact that 
playing playing the box office game in a time of pandemic is a roulette wheel that is perhaps on acid. No, no that should be random. You shouldn't just do well because like the fact that the fact that you won randomly for the first time. OK, I get. But like, how are how are all of my movies moving to next year and your movies because, are moving because to you pick responsible, no, I guess, movies that people expect to make money. I pick movies uh. that are probably ill-advised choices where everyone just sort of shrugs and goes like, well, OK, well, I don't know. That's all, that's all I got. I, I, yeah. I, look, I think that this is going to be a roller coaster of a year. I'm personally not going to theaters, which actually AMC dropped a survey in my box and they were like, what will it take to get you back to theaters? And I was like, a vaccine. A vaccine, a vaccine. right. Yeah. Like, like, it's going gonna, it's gonna to take, like, take a while. Yeah. We got uh, we got to stab uh, a lot of people in the arm. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, I guess... Since you're not going to the movies, you've got time to watch Lockdown on or on on HBO Max or something. Anyway, Mary, thanks for joining us. This was fun. Yeah, it was fun. And then I think you've just been silently laughing at us for the past like three minutes. I mean, that's fun. Yeah. No, it's good. Uh, anything that you want to plug? Um, yeah. If you guys are sick of looking at the same old art you have in your house, you can shop new art. From Kentuck Art Center in Northport, Alabama, <laughs> www.kentuck.org/shop. We'll link that in the show notes, like we do whenever whenever Mary's on the show. Katya, ah, uh, you can find me on Instagram at just that nerd kid. I haven't posted anything in over a month. We'll see. You <laughs> know, oh, just we'll see. <laughs> Palindrome Hannah. You can find me nowhere doing nothing. Um, but we'll link to <laughs> Feeding America in the show notes, uh, which is what I'm going to just be plugging until I don't know when. I you know, I, I hope they appreciate you because you do you, you do give them your plug every week, which well, is nice. You know, it's literally the least I can do. <laughs> <laughs> oh, let's see. Follow. You can follow me on Twitter or Instagram or oh. Facebook, all of the places, always at Chris Maverick. Oh. You can follow the show in all those same places twitter instagram facebook always at vox popcast you can follow the show if you enjoy the show and we certainly hope you do then subscribe to us on itunes or stitcher or spotify or wherever the hell else you get podcasts from and do us a favor leave us a five-star review on itunes if you leave us a five-star rating that helps if you leave us a five-star review where you write a little something something about what you like about the show and the dangers of capitalism during a pandemic and you know that that's always fun. And, you know, you write quirky little Marxist show all about the dangers of capitalism in a pandemic. Five stars. Yeah, there. I've written it for you. Just type that out. That gooses the algorithm, makes us more popular, helps the show out. And also subscribe to us on YouTube. Uh, on YouTube, you get an enhanced version of the show with the same audio content you're listening to, plus pictures and images of, you know, and clips of whatever we're talking about. That's always fun to look at. I would like to thank Maximilian of Thoughtform Music for our epic theme song, building ever so more epically and playing us out. I'd once again like to thank Mary for joining us. I'd like to thank you at home for listening, and we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.